Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. The purpose of our show is to have fun talking about small business. My name is Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my co-host and a wonderful business partner. We've been together over 15 years, more than most people are married. Um, our company is Maximum Value Partners, and we are business coaches. And Maximum Value Partners is the vehicle that delivers us to all these owners of small companies. And when we say small, we're talking about from 1 to 25 employees. We help those companies get unstuck from a state of how. And we're here tonight. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to turn you over to Adam, who always stands up when he's talking. That's good. <laughs> Stand up when I'm talking in the yeah talking <laughs> in the studio. I don't always stand when I'm talking. Oh, I like to stand when I'm talking. Gives you a little more energy, and uh, when you're six foot four, it helps to have a certain presence when you stand versus sitting, Jack. You know, well, got to use that height when you got it. That's true. All right, so yeah, welcome everybody to the Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Another great show in line for you here this evening. Um, as always, you are welcome to be part of the show. We encourage you to call in and. Sean's waiting on pins and needles, and they're waiting for your phone call. So give him a call here at 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. We're live in the studio every Wednesday from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You can get us anytime as well online. There's lots of ways to do that. You can tweet at us. We've got three different ways to get a hold of us in the Twitter sphere. We've got our company one, which is at MaximumVP. Jack Mancini, you can get him at at Jack M M V P, and for me, you can get me at at Adam Sonhalter. That's S O N N H A L T E R. Uh, first name Adam, and we like email. That's good too, right, Jack? We check emails all the time. It's Jack's favorite, which is radio at maximumvp.com, and try our website maximum maximumvp.com forward slash how H O W. Jack said we help get people unstuck in that state of how. If you go to that part of our site, you have a nice little form there. You could submit your how question or respond to anything that we talk about on today's show or past shows. And we appreciate you listening, as always, whether you're listening to us live or you're one of our listeners on our podcast that we put out every week as well. Welcome back, and we're glad to have you. Well, that was a long introduction, Adam. I'll give you time to get situated there, Brother Jack. Yeah, you know? I appreciate that. Good. We have uh, about 18 seconds to uh, jump into the seat before <laughs> Sean is pointing fingers at us and telling it's go time, and uh, it's always a scramble. But we're ready. We're ready we're for re the challenge. We're ready That's to go. Right. We're doing calisthenics out in the in the, in the the prep room, ready to kind of go, get our radio voices on, because we don't normally sound like this in real person, in real right. life, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Our voices are high and squeaky, generally. The modifications <laughs> here are uh, wonderful. That's right. So, That's right. So anyway... We uh, we decided to, to sort of change our format a little bit and actually talk about our encounters and meetings and and uh, coaching, what, what we do when we coach. In other words, uh, our coaching sessions, summarizing the latest couple of days, uh, you know, including today, uh, with actual coaching discussions, coaching topics things that we're talking about live with our clients during the day. And when we come here on Wednesdays, we're going to pick and choose some of those items that we talked about. So last week we said, okay, over two days we were going to talk about eight of our client visits. Well, since then we've met a lot more of our clients and spent a couple hours. That's normal, usually, the, the coaching time with them. And we have a whole list of topics because 
That's what we do. We coach and we talk about issues regarding their company. So we had this long hit list of things, thinking we'd go through them a lot faster than we did. And we started with one of our clients who was in the process of determining Christmas bonuses. How do you go about, for you small business owners out there, how do you go about establishing Christmas bonuses? And it got so interesting and so much fun that we kept talking about it, and it's going to overlap into at least uh, one or two segments here, I'm guessing, um, with with uh, with you. I mean, you know, we want to talk about Christmas bonuses. We'd love to know and hear your stories about how you establish them. And we're just going to continue this conversation. We had some interesting emails from different people who who uh, seem very interested in this topic because it is so topical, if you will. Christmas is right around the corner, and many of you are thinking about what you want to do for your your employees. What do you want to give them? And if it's going to be cash, how much cash should you give? So we coach our clients. There's no one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It has to be customized. Some people like to, uh, owners of companies, like to be very... uh, benevolent, and others not so much. So there's some basic do's and don'ts, but for the most part, we have a straightforward, kind of simple, keep it simple sort of approach. So what do you think, Adam? That's what we're going to take off on first. And then we have a whole series of unanswered stuff that we've talked about with our clients since we've last talked to you, the listening audience. We do, yeah. We can we can kind of wrap up what we were discussing last week a little bit jack we we're kind of going through uh, towards the end a little bit of a i guess a formula for lack of a better term in order to try to get uh, this calculated out because there could be a lot of confusing questions as you start to kind of think about how do you determine what's the right number to give out and is it is it totally random with, with many folks it is or it's based upon what happened last year hey we did this last year we gave everybody 200 bucks last year 500 bucks last year so it's gonna be based on that or it doesn't necessarily have a basis in how the company performs. And so we're very big fans of tying it in somehow to the performance of the company. And we look at the profitability of the company. But when we look at profit, we also want to look at the cash for the company as well. Because as uh, as you owners know, the cash is the fuel that makes that engine of the business go. And quite often can be very different from profit. Let me give a couple examples of what that might look like last week. And uh, as we're in between... Uh, shows here, uh, we actually pulled together a little spreadsheet of what we were kind of talking about. I was kind of walking through last week. Jack's favorite, too. We got a lot of Jack's favorites that we're touching on, right? <laughs> Email, spreadsheets. All the, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, all, the, all the things going on in the world today. So yes. We okay. put together a simple little spreadsheet that was, was able to kind of uh, quickly break down with five simple inputs between what a profit is for, for you for the year, but also taking into account some of the cash flow impacts. Oh, wait, let me let me set this up a little bit, just a little bit. All right. Um, two, two phases here for determining a Christmas bonus to your employees. The first phase is what Adam's talking about, is that's to determine the pool of dollars that you as a business owner want to give to your employees. So, you know, we, we, we have a little process that Adam's going to take you through. And once you get this pool, uh, and it, it can be a very interesting discussion, as it was with our one client that we're focusing on, but we, we've done this with a few clients now. It's a very interesting process. And once you get the pool set, then we have to determine how much 
you're going to give the different employees. And a lot of business owners like to what we'll call cop out and just average it out and give everybody the same, get it over with sort of thing. Uh, we like to uh, encourage more thought and try to, first of all, this is a discretionary bonus, meaning that the owner can pretty much decide what he wants to give to who. No explanation required, no defense if somebody objects, which is very, very unlikely. But uh, two phases. Yeah. So first and phase is determining that pool, Adam. How much should we give our? How do we determine? Yeah, that? we covered that. I also had a quick highlights, Jack, for for just uh, you know two minutes. But I'll encourage I'll encourage our listeners to go back to last week's show and listen to the last half of last week's show where we kind of went through this. But it's simply trying to bridge the gap between profit and cash. And so we look at pre-tax profit for the company. Get that off your P and L. We want to take out taxes from that. So whatever your taxes are going to be. But some of the non profit impacting numbers that we're talking about that do impact cash are debt repayments. Wait, how do I determine my taxes? Or are you going to tell me? Well, you can use this. You can, you know, we, we, in the case of this client we're talking about, as we talked to the CPA, he said 30% is a good number to kind of use. So we so got our net profit. So our, our pre-tax profit, so an example we were using last week was $250,000. So if you, if you take 30% away from that for taxes... That'd be seventy-five thousand dollars. So that leaves you a, a, an after-tax profit of one seventy-five. And you're going to have to pay those taxes in April, along with an estimate of of uh, next year's taxes if you're a flow-through kind of company. Correct. All right. So, but there, there again, there are there are things that impact cash as well that don't impact your profit number. So one of the biggies can often be debt. So if you're paying off debts. And in the case of this, this client, this is something that, that this client was doing, but I know many of you do it as well. Your debts could be your credit card debts. They could be uh, maybe older older vendor debts from your accounts payable. But, again, if you're paying off debts, older it is real cash. Yeah, yeah. It, it is real yeah. cash coming out of your pocket. But you aren't going to be reducing your profit for that, okay? But it's real money coming out. And then also if— Wait, I'm confused. What do you mean I'm not going to reduce my profit? It's not going to show up as an expense on your profit and loss statement. The only part of the only part of debt you you would see is if you look on your P and L, you'll see something called interest expense. And that's a, and that comes from debt. That's the only part you're going to be able to reduce your profit for. Okay, but right. yeah, let's, yeah. So we'll keep we it simple. So about that, and right. that's part of the reason why we we pulled together this little spreadsheet with Jack and I are talking about. We'll, we'll probably stick it up on the notes for this for this show, so you can you can download the spreadsheet. Again, it's got five simple things to kind of plug in with little notes for how to go go about doing it. We want to make sure that we, we show the impact of the cash for debt repayment, for one. And, and two is any kind of draws or dividends or withdrawals that you as the owner take above and beyond any kind of salary you take. If you're taking a salary of some type and kind, that's going to impact the profit. But there's often distributions. There are checks that are written out. There are draws, withdrawals, you know, whatever you call it, that will come out. That, again, are is cash. And quite often for an owner of a small company, their, their salary is a small portion of what their overall compensation is going to be. And so it's important to be able to see that cash impact as well. So we encourage you know, this client, we were talking about this last week, to take whatever that after-tax profit number, in this case we gave the example of 175, and then reduce that by how much debt you've paid off this year, as well as how much you've drawn out above and beyond any kind of salary, to, tr- to show what's truly kind of what, what we like to call what's left. What's left over? Okay, here's what's kind of left to figure out the pool that Jack was talking about. So in this case, why don't you run by those numbers? And after we're going to take a break shortly, and after the break, we'll recap it again. And that should do it on that subject. 
So if we had two hundred fifty fifty thousand in profit, we have thirty percent in taxes, which is seventy five thousand dollars. That leaves you with an after tax profit of one seventy five. Let's say you also you also took out, or let's say you, you paid back debt of fifty thousand, and you also took down uh, fifty thousand in terms of your owner's draws, so another hundred thousand. That would reduce the one seventy five down to seventy five. In terms of starting to calc, you know, what's that kind of what's left to start to calculate your pool? So we've gone from three, from two fifty, Jack, down to seventy five, like that. Seventy five is what's left over to pay the employees. To However start we're to do that. Correct, and we'll come back after break to kind of talk more about that and add some clarity to this, and and we'll refer back to the spreadsheet we're talking about. So stay tuned to hear more about that. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini, and we are business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. We help owners get unstuck from a state of hall. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at com. Back and rocking it out with a little night train from Guns N' Roses for all you GNR fans out there. I saw him with my 14-year-old, my brother, about a month ago. Very, very good show. Put on a three-and-a-half-hour show, so they're still rocking it in their 50s, which is good to see. So welcome back here to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. Hey, and I'm Jack Mancini, and we're with Maximum Value Partners, MVP, Maximum Value Partners, Most Valuable Player. We're business coaches. We help owners of small companies get unstuck. From that deep, deep abyss called the state of how. How do I make a profit plan? How do I set a Christmas bonus for my employee? Hey, wait. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we're answering that question. We did start yeah. talking about last week, and we're finishing it up tonight, Jack. We're standing next to, next to nice little Christmas treats lit up here in the studio, too, which Perfect. puts you in the Give mood for, for giving right. out bonuses, some, right? Some cookies that nobody's trying over here. Uh, maybe Sean. Maybe Sean will take the cookies. Uh, the rustle, gonna, that's the rustle of the cookies, in case you're wondering what that sound is. That's what that... <laughs> if I start chewing and making, making a mess all over the counter, Jack, that's what's going to happen next. That's right. So we're going to finish up this segment with uh, uh, a discussion on phase one of establishing the Christmas bonus for your employees. And that phase one is determining the pool. Pool mean not, not a pool that you swim in, a pool that you basically create from your profits, your pre-tax profits, and you adjust those profits down for other cash-related activity to come up with a pool of dollars, which is the first phase. And we have gone through, and Adam will go through those, recap them one more time, but we ended up right now with a pool on our hypothetical situation or our hypothetical company. Uh, We ended up with a pool of $75,000. And phase two, which is what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, right. is figuring out how much we give to each employee. Well, we got to make the pool. We're almost at the pool stage, Jack. So we're at that. that, that that's the what's left part. So we took oh, the yeah. We, okay. we 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 took our pre-tax profit of two fifty. You're right. Took out our taxes of thirty percent, which is seventy five thousand bucks, to get us to one seventy five, and then we re, we reduced it by the debt repayment of fifty thousand, as well as uh, distributions to the owner of fifty thousand. So by another hundred thousand to go down to seventy five thousand. Now the question is, how much of that seventy-five thousand do we want to put into the pool for the for the team? And so we encourage uh, folks to, to 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 do it based on a percentage. Let's give a percentage of that to the team. 
And we find a good place to start is somewhere around 10%. And that's a, that's a decent-sized pool to be able to offer people. So in case like this, that would be $7,500, okay, in terms of a pool of money to kind of distribute out. And so we have that big pool now to kind of distribute out. The question is, how do you go about distributing it out? And Jack mentioned in the first segment about being discretionary. So why don't you talk, Jack, about terms of how do you take that $7,500? How do you determine what to do? Do I give everybody? Do I, if I have 10 people, do I divide it by 10 and give them each 750 Is that a good way to go about doing it, Jack? Yeah, that's a way to start, and, that's, and, and a lot of owners do that. Well, discretionary means, basically, you as the owner can decide whatever rules you want to put in place to give whatever amount you want to give to any of the employees. Uh, all employees are not equal. Their efforts for the last year to help create those profits are not equal. This doesn't have to be, nor and, and we strongly encourage it not to be, it doesn't have to be a scientific approach, a mathematical approach with a lot of calculations. It's discretionary, and it should be, in our opinion, subjective. $7,500 is a lot of money. Uh, it's It's more money for some companies than others but it shouldn't be treated lightly. Now, depending on how many employees you have, you're going to make a list. And again, it's not going to be a big list. I'm, I'm, you you're going to check it twice? <laughs> find out who's naughty and nice? That's, <laughs> that's that, what I'm going to do. That's that a good way to do it? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to do. Find out who's naughty and nice. And whoever's nice <laughs> gets a big part of that 7500 There you mark. go. Okay. <laughs> now, we've got to watch what we say about that, you know. Uh, in today's politically correct world. <laughs> no, we don't. This is a, a PC-free zone. You know that, Jack. Well, that's true. That's true. So whoever's naughty gets the most. They might like the naughty, so that's, that's right. <laughs> that depends how you define that. That's right. So anyway, we got 7500 bucks, and I'm going to make a list with my employees' names. I'm going to stare at it. That's the first thing you do. What do you have on the list? Just names of people? Or what else Just do you have names. on there? Just names. Names okay. of people, nothing else. So that's pretty easy to get together. It so is. pull together a list of your, of your people. And All I'm right. going to go down the list, and I'm not keeping track of, of activity. I'm going by the way I feel. That's what we suggest. So first name on the list is Tom. What has Tom done this year? I don't, I'm not rewarding performance in the traditional sense and the, the calculated sense. I'm war, a warming, or I'm awarding performance based on what I feel Tom has done with the company this year. And if I can't recall too much, okay, that's I'm going to mark him average, if you will, because nothing stood out to make me say that he's you know done extraordinary things. He's been a good employee. Everyone on the list has been a good employee. And that's what they're paid to do. And it's not a hard-ass kind of approach to say, hey, be glad you have a job kind of thing. It's, it's they're paid to come here and do a job and, and be diligent, and that's what I expect. So he's average. And keep in mind, let me interrupt real quick, Jack. What we advise our clients to do, and I know you did every time you, you ran your companies, was you try to make sure that, that their employees are paid in the top 25%. Yes. If you look, if you look around and say, "Hey, so you know that your your employees are are well taken care of," so you know, just to reinforce the point you're making, Jack, that you know people are are being paid pretty well to do their base job. That's correct. So if they're, if, if if that's a good baseline, then okay. So your point is, hey, if they aren't going above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak, hey, they should be okay. They're they're being paid fairly for what they're bringing to the table. Right. Okay. So Tom's Tom's so an Tom's average guy. An average guy. Right. I could go down my list of seven or eight people, however many I may have there. 
And it could be that everyone's average. No one's distinguished themselves in my mind this year. All right, then I could do a simple calculation. Divide the pool by X dollars and give everybody the same thing. Okay. But there's usually somebody, one or two people, who have done something that, that stands out. And that should be rewarded. So we would allocate the 7,500 across the first, the first step is determine average and then and weed out those that are above average. And be, be, you know, depending on how many people we have, we're going to have an average amount, which will be the same for most of the employees, and an extra amount, significant if the contribution has been significant, subjective, of course, uh, to those people. And that's it. No thinking beyond that doesn't have to go deep. Uh, it's 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 a, a decision that can quickly be made and should be made, and it's made mostly on gut feel, not formula. So this is this is the exact opposite of if you recall that 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 skit years ago on Saturday Night Live called Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. Remember that skit? You ever see those shows? Those are some great kind of uh, back when Saturday Night Live used to be funny and good. But uh, so this is not Deep Thoughts with Jack Mancini. This is saying, hey, kind of go by gut feel. Yeah, you get enough sense of who's kind of doing what, and you know if there's a you know a couple of folks who really have kind of stepped it up that they're going to get they're going to get a good chunk of that maybe maybe they're trying to, if there's two about you know let's say two of the eight those two maybe get maybe they get half of it between, yeah. between the two of yeah. them right and then the, the 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 remaining half is divided between the other six who haven't really distinguished themselves so to speak the hard part of the owner is not all the time but for many owners is coming to a sense of equity what, what should don't, they don't say that word <laughs> Don't say that F word, Jack. I can feel it coming. No, no, I won't say that word. I'll I'll leave it to equity. Okay. A sense of equity. You know, you you feel that everyone should be receiving uh an amount that's usually larger than you have to give. And depending again on who you are, some people will give a five dollar gift certificate to Arby's. Others are gonna wrestle with, you know, trying to give somebody two or three thousand dollars. Uh, everything in between is what goes on, but so so one of the reasons why it's important, though I think I think this is a message we need to make sure people understand, is even though you as the owner aren't going to share with the 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 team who's getting what, chances are some or many of them are going to talk about it. So picture, you know, Jack gave a good scenario. He's got two of his two of his eight people are really kind of high performers and going above and above and beyond the call of duty. Picture as they learn that. They didn't get any more than anybody else. That everybody got the exact same. What kind of message is that going to deliver to them going into the next year? That, hey, Jack's either clueless, because he doesn't know that I'm going above and beyond, or that the folks here are doing other things that aren't as good as what I'm doing, or he doesn't appreciate those things. And what's the point of it's me doing the, above and beyond the, the duty? Yeah. More the latter. Good employees, though, will brush that off. You well, know that. But, well, but again, or, or you say you know, he, he doesn't care about it. And that's going to start to say, okay, after that happens a couple times, well, what am I doing here? Why don't I go somewhere else where I'm more appreciated for what I've done and kind of bring to the table? So that idea of equity, I won't say the F word, Jack, but the idea of equity, it can backfire on you. Because good people... To some degree, uh, you know, unless the amounts are larger, what you get is initial gripes, and and, and then it, it goes away. If the amounts were bigger, now you got more competition and money becomes... Uh, somewhat blinding here. That's where you can run into big problems. Yeah, it, was a, it was always a big deal. I, I remember my time on Wall Street, Jack, and, it, and and that was how you kind of judge yourself. Usually they wound up being like three tiers of the bonuses, right? And we would all talk. 
we could all talk and figure out, and you know, we, of course, we all thought we were in the top tier, right? We should, we should, should be in the top tier. We all think we're the we're the greatest, right? But then we talk about the other people. Hey, well, that, you know, that, that, that Joe over there really, he should really be. He's lucky he's got a job. He's lucky he gets any bonus kind of thing, right? And you, and lo and behold, he gets the top bonus. Like, what the hell happened? Did you exchange? Did you? Did we you talked know about what it. Everyone was making. Sure, we talked about it. Well, because we all had the same base salary, you know, as analysts, and we knew what this what, what those tiers were. And so the key was, hey, I want to be one of the ones in the top tier. And uh, yeah, you want to make that thing. So, so no, we, wait, we, we would talk Wall, about you it. You guys on Wall Street make millions. So how, what do you complain yeah, not about? As a, not as a financial analyst, you know, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> on a per-hour basis, it's less than most jobs you'd get anywhere else. But my, my point is that people talk about it. You know, the, the, the folks giving us some, you know, the, our reviews and our numbers weren't telling us about, about it, but we go back and talk about it. Yeah. People will talk about it. You're right. And no, so even even the case we're talking about here, so you know, we, if we divide that 7500 let's say our top two folks each get, you know, a couple thousand a piece, right? And that that, that that leaves, you know, the rest of the team, maybe they're getting five, six, seven hundred bucks. That's a big difference in a percentage wise, right? It makes yeah, the, let, let it me, makes the point. Let me tell you what happens. The people who are getting a couple thousand, uh, someone who's getting the five hundred will come up and say, Hey, what what did you get, Jack? And you you know, you can hear the buzz going around. I know if I say I got two thousand, you only got five hundred, you're gonna be pissed. <laughs> so I'd find a way <coughs> excuse me. I find a way to avoid the the answer here. That depends. Some people 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 usually know. Like I was, again, I was joking about the, the idea. We all thought we were we were the greatest, right? But we all we all kind of know who some of the who, who some of the better performers are. You know, right? I mean, so if you're honest with yourself, say, okay. To me, it, it's important for for the for the team to know that the owner gets it, that that he or she understands. Hey. You know they're going to reward that person for going above and beyond the call of duty. For the person who's going to stay, you know, stay later, is going to come in on the weekends, is going to is going to be looking out for the company, bringing good ideas, doing all the stuff that you're talking about. That that feel that Jack was talking about. Jack didn't give a uh, any detail to the feel, but his his feel and his gut feel is educated with several decades of experience here. Okay, so what 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 things are important to you as the owner? And it's again, it's a lot of that. As you, I think you were saying, Jack, less kind of measurable stuff. It's more of the intangible stuff, Absolutely. attitude. Just again, there's a lot of those things, that you, and people kind of know. And it isn't the in the in the in the grade school brown nosing kind of thing. It's again, it's good people who are here trying to help. <laughs> Probably a little do bit what's of best. That, well, but the, they're doing it because that's what you know. That's what good people do. I think you said that. Good good people are going to do the right things, and you want to reward and encourage that because that's how you start to keep those good people, and you start to chase away the bad people. Because if somebody's going to get all their their nose bent out of joint that they didn't get an extra couple hundred bucks or an extra thousand bucks, and they didn't really deserve it, well, you know what? If they leave, you probably shouldn't be too unhappy about that as the owner. So it's going to be pretty well done. So, so that's kind of how to kind of to wrap up that that discussion. It took us took us a show and a half to kind of go through it, Jack. But again, yep. to figure out. What should the pool be, and then how to start to kind of give it out? It's very, very key. And we'd love to hear it from you as we come back after break. If we you want to kind of put up anything on our site or no? We got a little spreadsheet we can probably put up there. Maybe make some more sense. People can find, kind of follow around with the jacks. We'll get we'll get that up as part of the as part of the show notes this week. I mean, we'll stick it in last week's show notes too, so people have that as well to kind yeah, of follow so along. So basically, uh, yeah, consult our site. We'll give you this simple little formula, and you can you can. Uh, Use it. I mean, it just, it'll be it'll be it'll be Jack. Even Jack can plug the plug the numbers in the, in, into the spreadsheet. I'm gonna test to make sure no, he can do it. Yeah. If Jack can do it, we know you can do it. Yes, All right. He's a, he's a good guinea pig right for me. All right. right Stay tuned for for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini. We're Maximum Value Partners, business coaches. We're helping small companies get unstuck from a state of how. Stay tuned for more dirty secrets of small business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM. 
101.5 FM and online at wintradio.com. Stick with the GNR theme here. We got a little Paradise City. Guns N' Roses again. All right. Get that beat bopping along. I love it. All right. Welcome back. This is uh, Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. I uh, marvel at my partner here and how well he remembers every movie that's ever been made, plus every song and the artist who, who prepares it. I don't know too many. I know a few people. I know one in particular who knows, who knows this stuff like he does, but... Uh, they're rare. They're not too. They're not too. Uh, they're not too common. So anyway, I'm Jack Mancini. We are business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. We just finished talking about how do you set Christmas bonuses, and now we're going to talk about. And when we say talk about, we've been talking to our clients over the last couple of days about these subjects, and what we're going to talk about with you is what we talk about with them. And in this case, the second thing we're talking about is how do you set selling price? Right. It's probably one of the biggest, most complex subjects that every business, small or large, has to deal with. And there are, we we will talk about formulations, if you will, somewhat. But, uh, you know, it's assembling your cost, identifying your cost, putting it in a form that, that allows you to mark up those costs. To try to get a desired profit. Now you can do this in a vacuum. If you have anybody selling your your product, uh, you're basically going to get a little pushback, or at least good good uh, good discussion with them about the price that's built up versus the price that somebody's willing to pay. Where's that Where's that phrase come from, Jack? Which one? In a vacuum. I don't know. Anyway, as I'm visualizing, you mentioned movies. So remember Austin Powers. International Man of Mystery. You ever see that? Uh, not knowing, not knowing. <laughs> I, I Michael Myers. you tell me about it. Michael no, Myers, and he talked about the idea of, uh, this is me in a nutshell. And he goes, oh, he curls up in a thing, and he's like a little ball. Like, hey, it's me stuck in a nutshell, <laughs> right? I'm trying to picture him stuck in a vacuum, right? So here we are in a vacuum trying to make our prices. So the, the, the way the way Jack and I choose some of these topics is not like the, it's totally random. We try to look for some themes. I think I mentioned this last week. As we go throughout our meetings week to week, there's often some themes that, that, that come up. And it isn't themes that Jack and I bring up. So as we start to reflect upon some of the things that our clients are worried about, which is why we, we, we want to bring them here to the show, is we know that they're, they're common themes for, for many people. And the setting selling price is a big deal. This even goes back a few weeks ago. Uh, Jack and I had the privilege of going down to present um, to, a, to a group of radon professionals. And there are about 100 people in the room. And we had an open discussion. You know, Jack and I are really good about count, you know, going down for an hour and 15 minutes. Let's, you know, let's open it up to the team to talk about, you know, what do you want to talk about from a business standpoint? And the, the, the dominant discussion for almost an hour and 15 minutes is about selling prices. Right. And people complaining about, hey, how do I do this? And this guy over here is undercutting me and doing this and doing that. And, how do, you know, and the, the overall theme about how do I set selling price or, or, or where the only thing that, that the market cares about is price. And in the end, that's right. And, and and we are remember this if you, if you remember nothing else from our show tonight. If you are competing on price and price alone, you are on a going out of business curve. That's right. Forget about it, right? And what I mean by that is you're gonna you know because if you're doing that, what's gonna happen is you're eventually gonna start losing money if you're not losing money already. 
and you'll be out of business when you run out of money. Whatever the savings you've got you're putting into the company, if it's profit shaft in prior years, if you're competing on price and only price, you're on a going out of business curve. So doing it in a vacuum may not be a bad idea, Jack, compared to going out and looking at the marketplace oh, wait a minute. to so set many, your price. So many small, well, oh wait, that, that's exactly a, a version of what I was going to say. Okay. So many small business owners don't know how to go about methodically and systematically setting a selling price. So they go on the internet and see what a competitor does, and they use his or her price, maybe chop it down a nickel or so, so they can come in lower. It's not like that's called, that's called doing some market, that's, is that sophisticated market research, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, the equivalent of going out of business. Uh, you know, it, it, everybody, every company has its own cost structure. You don't all have the same employees doing the same output and the same efficiencies and buying materials the same way. So you have a cost structure. Adam's company has a cost structure. I have a cost structure. So you got to know how to put those pieces together. And once you have that done, then you have a desired profit margin that you'd like to uh, create with your, with your efforts here. And you're going to apply that profit margin to this cost buildup. So let me try to paint a little picture with that. Let me, let me use our audience from a couple weeks ago, Jack, to kind of paint that picture. As you look at that room full of 100 people, we asked during, you know, the, as the opening couple of questions we asked, one of the questions that we asked was folks who were kind of a one-man show or a one-woman show, whatever it might be, but again, you know, they, they, they were kind of single people doing their thing. And it was about 70% of the audience was kind of one person, right, where they, they, they kind of had a job where they kind of keep themselves busy. And the other 30% had a company where they had some employees and some, you know, to, to, to your point, Jack, they had a different kind of cost structure. So if, if you have that where you're just, it's you, okay, chances are you're not putting any cost to your time and effort, right? It's more the fill the calendar, fill the schedule type of mentality, which is where a lot of these folks were. It's uh, I use the example there of the kind of the the, the 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 open seat on an airplane kind of thing, right? If you're getting ready to take off, I got five empty seats. Well, I'll I'll take five bucks of those seats because you know what, have an extra extra five bucks per seat's better than nothing, right? Because that's once that seat moves and goes, it's gone. That's right. And so and your product, that's right. Yeah. So if I have time, my schedule, whether it be a service I'm providing or my production schedule, if I have some some openings, I'd rather get something from that. It gives you. Well, I'll throw out a little term we'll come back to here, Jack, maybe today. If not, if we'll come back to it in the next show. Contribution margin. Oh, boy. Okay. All right? So you, you get some complex things. where, But if, if you're listening close to what Jack was saying, we're talking about selling price, he mentioned costs a lot. All right? Your costs. Understanding what your costs are, your cost structure. So I have no idea what you're hearing when Jack says that. Good point, Adam. I know what I'm hearing, and I, I know what I'm seeing. I, you know, come back to spreadsheets. You know, I have a little spreadsheet opening up, and I see the costs. I see the people costs. I got my employees, my labor, my taxes. I've got some material costs if I'm if I'm if I'm providing some some material part of it. I also have rent costs. I have costs for my for my for my trucks or my automobiles. I have insurance costs. I have I have lots of different costs. I'm going through my my P&L in my head in terms of what costs I have in order to stay in business. I have costs to go put up my website, to put out the marketing and make things happen, to have somebody answer the telephones, all this stuff that is there to help make my business go. 
I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to look at those and assemble them and make any sense. So I'm just going to go on my website and copy what my uh, competitor does at them. Isn't that good enough? Maybe you should. <laughs> why don't you call your competitor, get a quote? That's a little better. That would be, wouldn't then, it? Then you're good to go. That's 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 more sophisticated market research. That takes a little more a little more gusto to kind of you know actually pick up a phone and talk to somebody versus just kind of creeping on the internet and checking how, things out. How should I disguise my voice? Go with your natural voice. You're not on the radio, Jack. The high squeak voice. They won't recognize you that way, right? That's true. The high squeaky one. That works better. <laughs> That'll be good, right? <laughs> or you have you, know, you call and pose as a student. Hey, I'm right. a student doing a research project. There's all kinds of things you can do. Get in character. I, mean, I did some acting my in my earlier days. You, you, you know, get in character. You be did? something you a little different. You were a thespian. I was a thespian. Right yes, in my high school days and my early college days. That word. A thespian. Yes. Thespian. Hey, when you thespian. go to an all boys high school and you have uh, you know, a girl at all girls high school and they want you to be part of the show and you're like, you know, out of the cast of forty, there's only five boys. I can't think of a better place to be as a teenage boy, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place to be, let me tell you. So yeah, Th so thespian, not thespian. 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 There's no B in it. There's a P at the end. But it sounds yeah, a lot like lesbian is what you're saying. Earth. Yes, that's right. All these years I've been on Earth, and uh, still I pronounced it wrong all these years. And you're getting me distracted. I just, you know, I had a I had a great discussion with some with some 12 and 13 year olds this week. Jack, we went to confession as part of PSR, and I got them prepared by going through a kind of examination of conscience and. Part of the things that were on there, they're asking about oral sex and what this was. And it was a great discussion. They, Who's right? Who's conscience? Yours or theirs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're talking about drunk and what all these things kind of mean. So we had some good, we had some good discussions with a bunch of 12 and 13-year-olds, you know, and they got the giggles and it was a lot of fun, you know. So we're getting giggles. We're talking about thespians, okay? That's right. Something's, okay. All right. So, yes. I got it. All right, so so I'll use my midi. So, so 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 getting into getting into one. character, do a little market research <laughs> is a good idea to reach out. Besides just the internet, to talk to somebody, engage a little bit, and see what's kind of going on. Understand how they price their things. Actually, have them come out and do it. You know, come out and and, and see how they, how they what questions they ask. How do they go about coming together with their selling prices? Is, lick is their it good? Finger, lick their finger and put it up to <laughs> it the wind. It's the wind, right? <laughs> That's it. <clears throat> That's a way to do it too, right? That's, That's not in a vacuum because the, 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 well, I guess there's some wind in the vacuum, isn't there? I, I don't know. No I'll, idea. I'll leave it at that thought I'm when we go. Scientist. We'll come back. Maybe we'll touch on that. We come back from break here. All right. So stay tuned for some more discussion about how to set your selling price. I'm Adam Sunhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini. We're coaches with Maximum Value Partners. Stay tuned for more dirty secrets of small business on Integrity Radio, WINT, thirteen thirty a.m. 101.5 FM and online at WINTradio.com. All right, welcome back. We're on to uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival now. All right, we're going back a few decades. You know this stuff, Jack. Come on now. Back in your college days, right? I gotta think. I gotta, it takes longer to process right now. That's all right. So, welcome back I'll to Dirty thinking. Secrets. I'll start you keep thinking. To ELO. There we go. All right. <laughs> welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. We're business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. What we're doing is taking real live situations with our real live clients, probably about eight of them now, eight of them over the last day or two. And we're taking topics that we discuss with them in our coaching practice. So we, we often meet with our clients for about two hours. And we discuss things that are bothering them and or things that we are coaching them to learn relative to our seven keys to success, which can be found on our website. 
if you master those seven keys, you're going to have a successful company. That's pretty well guaranteed, uh, as long as you stay coachable. Anyway, what we're doing is taking real live issues that we spend time talking to them. And one of the more frequent issues that we have discussions with is setting selling price. How do our clients, how do you as a small business owner set your selling price? So in the last segment, we started to talk about it, and we'll continue. We probably aren't going to finish it up tonight. So next Wednesday, we'll probably pick it up again because it can be a very complex subject. And from a strategic standpoint, it's probably one of the most important things you can do. Because it is a complex subject, a lot of business owners shy away from it and do the wrong thing. And it does not aid to profitability of your company when you do the wrong thing with selling price. That's right. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can do that in a couple ways. You can give us a call here in the studio. We're here until 8.30 p.m. tonight, and we're going to be back, like Jack said, next Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. The number here is 440-946-9468, or you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com. If you have a question about setting your selling price, you want to share about how you go about setting the selling price, we gave a couple examples in the first uh, or in the last segment here in terms of what people often will do, which is looking out in the marketplace at competitors and getting a sense, whether it be kind of creeping on the Internet or giving them a phone call and seeing what they do to see what does the market usually charge for this product or service. And that's a dangerous way to go about doing it. It's, it's, good, to ha- it's a good piece of information to have. You know, we aren't saying you don't know what that is. That's a good thing to know what your competitors charge and, and have that as one of the things that you use to guide you're you're setting your selling price, but not being the one and only thing to now benchmark yourself off of that and then try to undercut them a little bit to kind of get in, because you may not be know if you're making money doing that or not. You really don't. And if if, if nothing else, you, you should have heard in the last segment Jack mentioned costs like ten times. Understanding your you know what your costs are, and so being aware of that is very very important when it comes time to be able to set your selling price. So we saw the. You know, real live action of that at this talk we gave a couple of weeks ago where we had competitors, relative competitors in the room. And you can see them almost pointing fingers at each other saying, hey, why do you undercut me? Why do you do this? Why do you bother going out for that project and bidding on this or doing that? And there was tremendous frustration at each other for doing that stuff. But it can be very complex, as Jack said. There's, there's a client we are talking to, talking to about this uh, recently who had gotten pretty good at getting a handle on his cost over the last couple of years because before he really didn't know. He was kind of guessing. He had a sense of what the market was charging, and, and they were kind of basing it off of that. And it worked pretty hard to get a good sense in terms of labor and material costs for their, for their, for their jobs. So there's a lot of moving parts as it relates to, to what they do, and they didn't have good information. And I think, Jack, that's where, where the struggle comes from. One thing is, even if they kind of have a sense of how to do it, to get the information and the data to be able to make that decision and have confidence that, hey, I've got all the data here in place, and i got the, the formula together that can do it, versus, you know, if you talk to anybody in, in the in the food-related industry, usually what they'll do is they'll have a rule of thumb. All right, I take whatever my cost of my food is, and I multiply it by three. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be the, the, the price that I charge. That's if you talk to a small restaurant. If you go talk to, to some more successful restaurants, they've got it down to the penny in terms of what's on that plate and how it's done. And, you know, it's not a, a simple rule of thumb. But I think too many no, folks, Jack, will, will, will default to that rule of thumb. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And there are a lot of ways. There, there, there are a lot of ways to determine your costs. And it depends on the type of company you have, which will then drive the, the, the choice of several choices for determining cost. So they, they aren't all the same. A lot of companies don't 
have a product that uh, requires material and labor in a manufacturing sense, but many do. Our clients have, we, we, we run the gamut. We run the, the course. Uh, our, our clients are in probably every industry you can think of. So it's important to understand your cost to set your selling price. So how do you do that? How do you set your cost? What kind of company should we talk about today? I think you know, as we get into more what I'll call the knowledge economy, you're kind of re- referring to that, Jack, where it's not as much manufacturing heavy, and we see that in our coaching practice. You know, we've probably got quite, you know, I'd say the, 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 the majority of our clients are, are more service-related companies, probably three-quarters, 80% of them, where, where again, it's, you know, your point, there's not a lot of material at times. Right. Might be some material, but it's more labor kind of stuff. So how do, you put a, how do you put a value on whether it be your time or your, or, or, or your team's time? in order to try to figure that out. So how do you how do you get the proper cost, understand what the cost is going to be? And then what we haven't mentioned yet, Jack, is having a profit margin on that. That's right. All right we so, touched on it, but we didn't yeah, we didn't dwell on it at all. Well, that's why the the costs are so important. How do you how do you calculate your your profit margin properly if you don't have all your costs in there? Understand what you know, what, what, truly understand what your costs are. So it, it, it takes some, 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 some data gathering to kind of figure these things out, but it's a, it's a key thing to do. So to, by no means are we saying, hey, just kind of you know, stop doing what you're doing and spend the next three months figuring out your cost. This should be an ongoing process to help to figure out to improve how you go about pricing your products and services. Well, a couple of things you have to have in place. You, you, you have to have a profit and loss statement, and you have to have some sense. So where do they find that profit and loss statement, Jack? Uh, probably 85 to 90% have a QuickBooks uh, processing their financial statements. And the financial statements, for sake of simplicity, require a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. That's what we're talking about here. So you have to know your numbers a little bit. And when we say know your numbers, know a little bit about a profit and loss statement. Because... In, in order to basically start to assemble and understand your costs, you have to have that. It's a beautifully organized report. And the second thing you have to have in place to do this right is a profit plan. You know, there's no sense in setting your costs on last year's numbers. Set your costs on what you think is going to happen next year. And then you, you, know, you get those two things in place. Then you have to assemble a format to fit your company to take those costs for the next year. Some people call that a budget, disgusting word. We call it a profit plan. Take those numbers in your profit plan and insert them in this format that would fit your company. And you know, all of a sudden, you have a real good sense on what you think your costs are going to be next year. And then all we got to do is mark it up. Now That's we it. got a simple. That's it. That that, that is it. Oh, well, we're done. Oh, wait. Well, let's oh, go. Wait. No, let's go home. <laughs> All right. You know, I love bringing up movies, Jack. So as I'm listening to what you, listening to you talk about getting the, the profit and loss statement, getting out of QuickBooks, I think a lot of folks. There's a great movie. I, I know you've seen this movie, Dodgeball, Jack. You've seen that movie, oh, right? Yeah, I love okay. that movie. All right. So picture that scene. The first, I think, 20 minutes or so, where Vince Vaughn's character, he's the owner of the Average Joe's Gym, and the. <laughs> Uh, attorney for the bank comes in. They're, they're coming in to kind of see how he's doing, and she's asking to see his numbers. I think she may have even asked, "Hey, can I see your you know, your financials, Jack?" Right? She said this to the Vince Vaughn's character. Right? He says, "What do you mean? Like, you got numbers? Oh, yeah, I got all my receipts, right?" 
and he gets up out of his chair, literally walks behind his chair, and there's a closet door behind him, right? <laughs> Opens up the closet door, and out pours a bunch of receipts. He says, hey, it's all, it's all in there, right? So most owners aren't at that, at, at that point today. Sure? But they have hold on, but they have they have a virtual version of that often, Jack, right? Which is as we see a, a profit and loss statement, it might be on one page and have maybe ten different categories. It's got all the stuff in there, or it's and what's what they've seen is a tax return. All right, so the tax return will show that on one simple page, right? They have all these, you know, categories from one to twenty seven, whatever it's gonna be on that first page, it'll show. Everything's kinda in there. It's like ragu, it's in there, right? It's in there somehow. And so at the very least, you have something that shows, here's all my costs. Maybe they aren't broken out the way we'd like to see it or the way it's helpful to see it in order to set your selling price, Jack, but it's it's there. And that's, that's always the starting point. Could we have somewhere we can go where I can see how to much start. does all this stuff cost to me, for me to be in business, mm-hmm. right? And once you have that, you can then start to peel back and dig into it a little bit. That's why, that's why I said it's not like a, a five-minute exercise. and It takes some time. And if you have some good people to help you, if you have a good... Uh, we don't like this word either, but we know people will talk this way. They've got a good bookkeeper internally, or if they have their CPA they can tap into to get a better handle on their cost, to give them better vis- visibility as far as what makes up all those costs. Because so they, they should be able to see it. They should see, because often the owners are, are, are busy writing are busy writing checks, right? So they're, they're signing checks and they're, they're paying for stuff. You should see all that activity. You should be able to break those things out to kind of see what's happening. And the real keys here are what costs are directly related to you producing your product and service versus what costs are going to be there whether you produce something or not. Okay, So you start to kind of break things down, and we don't have time today to get into all the detail, Jack, but we have, we'll have plenty of time next week to kind of t- to be able to delve Good. into well, it as yeah. well. well. We'll focus strictly on uh, setting selling price next week. Yeah, we have lots of examples. We should, we'll, we'll dig into probably one or two, and my guess is between this week and next, Jack, we'll probably have more discussions about it with other clients. But... Um, well, we'll get into more detail about how do you, how do you really go about making some sense of the stuff. So as we're heading into 2018, you can start to get a better sense of your of your selling price, and a better sense of what your profit plan should look like, which is a, a big thing. Obviously, the top line of that profit plan, Jack, is going to be your sales. So that's how are we right. set our selling price and making that start to happen? So hate to lose money on that process. That's right. All right, we want to thank you for joining us again on this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. invite you to tune in every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Like I said, next week we'll be talking more about how to set your selling price. We'll dig deeper into it. In the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can give us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 877-849-0670. Hey, remember... Remember, if you have how questions, we're the people who can answer them. We've done it for hundreds of companies. We have a process that is absolutely terrific. So remember, it's a jungle out there, folks. Just like they say here at GNR, welcome to the jungle. That's what it's like in business sometimes. So learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at (laughs) WINTradio.com. 